Hello everyone and welcome to our first edition of Onlytica Customer Chats for 2022 and today I'm delighted to be joined by Stacey Myros, uh, Senior Marketing Communications Manager within the Industry Marketing uh, team as part of the CMO group and uh, Matt uh, Seacole, um, who's the subject matter expert uh, driving uh, sustainable growth in capital markets uh, for Microsoft as well. They're both based in the US. And thank you so much for uh, joining me on this LinkedIn Live. Yeah, great to be thank here. Thank you for having us. Absolute pleasure. Um, so Stacey, if I could start with you, I would love to know how you got involved in influence marketing for you to give a bit of a background to yourself. And just before I say that, sorry, I should have said, for anyone watching, please do ask questions, say hi, um, introduce yourself. I'd love to make this as interactive as possible. So Stacey, please uh, please introduce yourself and, um, and let us know how you got into the industry. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I've actually been with Microsoft on and off for about 14 years now, always on the um, marketing side. And I kind of fell into influencer marketing. It was really interesting. We had a bit of a reshuffle a couple of years ago and a team was built dedicated to influencer marketing, focused more on the ecosystem of influence and how we're reaching customers beyond just our traditional channels. So thinking about things like associations and influencers. So for the past couple of years, we've been doing some influencer marketing, kind of with pockets of success here and there, but we really didn't have a formal program. So starting leading into our fiscal year, which started in July of this past summer, we looked to more formalize the program. And with that, we decided to bring on an agency, start leveraging Analytica for reporting, and build a program based on our industries that we focus on in the U.S., and also based on our topics, key topic areas that we focus on. So sustainability and AI as well. So it's been an evolution over the past couple of years, but I'd say this year we're really hitting our stride with how our team is focused on, on the influencer community. Great, thanks so much, Stacey. And how about you, Matt? Well, for me, it was, it was a little bit different. So I joined Microsoft about four years ago and this influencer ecosystem really came to me through necessity. So I was working at a technology solutions partner and doing kind of Microsoft implementations, supporting across industries. And when I found out that I was joining Microsoft and financial services, I kind of took stock of what I knew about financial services. And it was really interacting with a couple of customers, my dad was an actuary. My stepdad was an insurance adjuster. And that was really it. So I came to it through, I really had to find a way to learn. And rather than approaching it through like structured learning, which was time consuming and costly, I hit the podcasts, I dusted off my Twitter account, and I built up a learning strategy around influencers and their online content. What I found was this really robust ecosystem. For financial services, it was around fintech. But through the lens of the incumbents. So it was this really interesting way to learn about this industry coming in. Um, and it took, it didn't take long to realize that I had a ton of opinions on this. Some people call me the most opinionated person at Microsoft. And rather than keep those ideas like inside, I would turn to those influencers and I would say, hey, I, I heard this podcast and I thought this about this. What do you think? And I would start asking them questions. And over time, I would learn more and more and more and so that really drove me not only into engaging with the influencers, but really into the role that I'm in today. So I support U.S. capital markets. I do not have a background in capital markets. like, And it was because of the influencers that I ended up being here where I am today. 
Amazing. And I, what, I, what I've been looking forward to this LinkedIn Live, uh, also why I've been looking forward to this so much is because uh, we, we have a, a unique combination of, Stacey, uh, you're mm -hmm. running the program and, and Matt, you're one of the subject matter experts. So we don't often get a subject matter expert and someone who's running a program uh, together at the same time, because this is a very mature model of running uh, influence relations where you can connect your know, subject matter experts with the inter external influences. So I'd love to um, ask a ton of questions uh, around that um, you know, in you know, later on in this conversation. Um, one thing that I just did want to pick up on is, Matt, you were talking about the learning strategy uh, of social. And, and we just hear that more and more, that that's just absolutely a critical path and one of the, the real bonuses of getting involved. And it's amazing, Stacey, to hear that over the past year, this has become something that is just an essential part of the mix because that's really mm -hmm. showing the maturity of the of the industry. So, um, so, so I guess um, off those two points, I'd love to understand maybe a question to you, Stacey. What what your first sort of influencer program or first kind of influencer activation looked like? Yeah. Compared to what it is now and how that's changed over the past few years. Right. It, it has definitely evolved. And to Matthew's point about leveraging these influencers for education, I think that is very, very key to the program. These are key opinion leaders who are experts in their fields, experts in their industries, and they have a fantastic audience that they are continuing to educate. So we want to leverage that to educate our customer base as well. So it's not a sales conversation. It's very much an education opportunity. So we started early on over the past couple of years, we were really just kind of plugging into the channels that the influencers had. Some of them have podcasts. Some of them are doing Twitter chats. So we were taking an opportunity to look across the, the universe to see where we could plug in. As we've evolved over the past year, we're really starting to look at ways to better build a relationship with those influencers and understand what they want to do with Microsoft. One of the key areas of success has been co-authoring content with them. And that's, I see, as an evolution of us just plugging into existing channels versus us kind of collaborating together on blogs or white papers or bringing them into one of our programs. So it's been an evolution of what that relationship is, more so the push versus the connection. Yeah, because I, I love that because quite often it was you're with brands or oh, can you promote this or can you get involved in this on your own channel? But now it's much more long term thinking. Yes. as you were you were saying uh yeah no i i, I really i really love that, that 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 approach and and i imagine that's that's paying off in in dividends now how about how about matt you how have you seen the you know your kind of first conversations on social evolve yeah so when i joined microsoft and we got and I got introduced into the influencer program a couple of years ago. Um, I, I wasn't really familiar with what it was. So I had been doing, like I said, I had been doing this kind of social media engagement, not realizing that I was engaging with influencers, quote unquote, right? I just thought that these were thought leaders in the field. And so what was interesting is Stacy and I sat down and we kind of looked at a list of people um, because they Microsoft saw that I was active on social and Stacy called me out and was like, hey, there's this list here's a whole bunch of people that we'd like to start engaging with. What do you think? I'm like, I, I'm engaging with a whole bunch of people on this list already. This is this is amazing. And so I picked one just to focus on, and that was Theodore Lau, who I know is going to be watching this later. Um, and no, I 
didn't kind of change. I didn't kind of change anything I was doing. I said to, in fact, I said to Stacy at the time, Stacy, I don't know if you remember this. I said like, does this mean I have to stop doing what I'm doing? Because I really like what I'm already doing. And she was like, no, just keep doing what you're already doing. What was, what was great about kind of formalizing it in an influencer program was that there was internal support to help build the relationship in a way that I couldn't do alone. So this was, this was through things like, um, Stacy and I ended up uh, getting a quote from Jackie Wright, who's our US CTO, in Theodora's book uh, that she co-authored with another uh, influencer, Brad Limer. And I was lucky enough that, you know, I had built up this relationship with them that they sent me an early copy of the book. I was able to review it, my reviews in the book. Like, I couldn't have done any of that probably without this program being in place and kind of the power of well, let's get them a little bit deeper into Microsoft. Let's see how we can help them. Not only, you know, what can they sell for us, but hey, they're writing a book. What can we do for them? And this this led to all kinds of activity to, to uh, Stacy's point. Like I've been on their podcast and really to me, they're not they're not just influencers. They're still just the same people that I was engaging back a couple of years ago. I mean, they're, they're frankly like my friends now, right? Like I've created relationships with these people. I look forward to seeing them in person once all this COVID's over. I think that's, that's such a good point. And Stacy, I guess you're from, from me, from the outside in, you know, Matt is just like a dream subject matter yes. expert. Who's, who's, <laughs> Because because I, I've had conversations with Microsoft, many other tech brands, you know, working with program managers to try and create an influencer program, but for mm -hmm. the, the people outside of the organization to not feel like they're in a program because that's not the point right. of it. The program, and what I loved about what you said, Matt, is about the investment into the program to enable activity that is just happening anyway or is just a natural right. conversation. But sometimes when any big tech brand starts programmatizing stuff. Even the word like seems like you know, there's kind of robots like speaking to <laughs> speaking to people out, outside. So I, I guess um, how do you? I know this is a difficult question, but how do you uh, how do you programmatize without it feeling like it's programmatizing for for people who are not Matt who maybe don't get it as much and and yeah. are, are, are kind of not there on the journey yet. So. First, um, Matt is our star at this, right? So we've joked internally that we want to clone him. Um, and I think the key, though, is making sure others see the success that Matt has had building these relationships. And it takes time to do this. And we're in a sales organization where people have quarterly numbers that they have to hit. And influencer marketing doesn't necessarily one-to-one -one equals sale, right? It's about engagement, awareness, building thought leadership. So it's kind of been a journey getting people to understand the benefit of this. But because we have examples of what Matt has done, I've been able to share that with other, others in the organization that are like, I want to be like that. I want to build my personal brand. I need to learn more about my business. I want to connect better with customers. So it's always great to have that example that you can share with other people in the organization of success to get people interested. And, and I'd also say having people like Matt, those subject matter experts in the industry on our technology is really, really important to this program because at the end of the day, I'm on the marketing side and people could look at me and be like, oh, you're just you know, program manager, you're trying to formalize everything. But if I'm making the connections with the influencers to 
folks like Matthew, there's real, real value in that. And it's not just a marketing program. We're introducing them to subject matter experts, thought leaderships, executives at Microsoft that they might normally not have access to. Sure. And, and, and that's, a, that's a real benefit, isn't it? It's not just mm -hmm. monetary. There's a lot of organic plays and just good conversations to have as well. Yes. And the influencers are looking for case studies uh, you know, quite often because they're writing books or making speeches or, or stuff like that. So you know, they, they need you as well, uh, which is one thing that I think sometimes brands forget. Um, one thing that I'd love to ask you, Stacey, is the, is the kind of uh, reputation of influence marketing within Microsoft. Yes. I know, I know that it's changed quite a lot over the last decade. Uh, when you talk about influence marketing, you know, what's the kind of reaction internally and mm -hmm. do senior management uh, get it? Of course, like some do, some don't. Like what education is required? I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. That's right. So we kind of took it back to basics. And the first thing we did was to explain to people what influencer marketing isn't, because I think people have this idea on their head of what they've heard about. You know, this isn't a B2C marketing program where we're using some, I don't know, like, Kardashian to promote something. So they have that idea. Everyone comes up with Kim Kardashian. We, we have to, <laughs> we have to move on from her. <laughs> so we're trying to make sure people understand that is, that is what we're doing, but it's not what we're doing. Right. So that's the first thing to level set on what influencer marketing is and what it is or what it isn't. Um, the next step then is to, um, help them also understand that it is not a, again, back to the whole, it's not a sales channel. Like this is not a, a signal to drive a sales lead. This is more an opportunity to educate our customers, connect with people through a different, that ecosystem of influence that I mentioned. So I think we're doing a really great job internally of helping people better understand what this does for their business. And we have sockets where we can kind of present out those those different wins that we've had through monthly business reviews with sales leadership, and they get excited about it. They like to be connected to people. They want their name out there as well. And this helps with that. Um, recent example, we had a, a blog post or a video that we did with an influencer and um, the subject matter expert that participated had like two X views than he normally does into the thousands. Um, based on of his LinkedIn post based on just this engagement with an influencer. So it's all about showing examples of successes and helping them understand what this can do for their business. Yeah, that, uh, I love that because you have to sell the long term vision of the program, but yes. also bringing it back to tangible examples makes right. every single person feel like, you know, that that there's something that they can they can see the benefit in front of them and can connect up the dots. Yeah. And it's to a that long term goal, isn't it? It's a long-term play. This, again, isn't just quick, you know, plug and play, ready to go. We have to build that relationship and make sure the right people are engaged. And it does take it does take time. And we have to have people understand that. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I would, I would <clears> love <throat> to ask you, Matt, what you found <clears throat> are the best approaches to connect with external influencers. I know that you've just showed up and had a conversation at the beginning, but tactically, what what kind of channels, what what kind of conversations you, you talked about commenting on you know, whether they've written you know some some white paper or or an ebook or something like that and then and then asking them for their thoughts, you know, that seemed to work for you. What other tactics and approaches have worked really well for you? Yeah, it's it's a long I don't want to call it a game, but it's a long 
play, I guess, because you have to really get to know these people as people, right? Like they, they clearly have their area of subject matter expertise, but like, I know, like I keep coming back to Theo cause she's great. Like Theo has this same millennium Falcon in her office that I know cause I've seen it on the videos that she's on. And so we talk about Lego and a lot of people in her community like Lego, for example. So finding that personal connection over time helps build the trust up, but you know, ultimately they're all putting out content um, through different channels. It's about following them, watching what they're posting about, whether it's content that they've developed or something thoughtful that they've said about something else that they find interest in, right? Like if they post something about um, fintechs, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example. I uh, One of the areas that I cover here at Microsoft is private equity. And you mentioned, I also cover sustainability. Well, there was a great article about a company, private equity company, doing something with sustainability and ESG and kind of like formalizing it. And so I tweeted out about it and I tagged a whole bunch of people. Uh, it was Theo. It was like two ESG influencers and then somebody in academia who I really trust, who has written a book about board advising. And she pinged me on a message after I tagged her. And she's like, my son actually built that program with them. And I, thank you so much for sharing it. She was beside herself. And this was somebody in academia who I consider a sustainability influencer. Um, it's that type of thing. Like now I, now I know that for her, that board advising and sustainability goes beyond just her job. I mean, her family's into it, right? So now I have a much deeper understanding of that person. And I learned a little bit about how she wants to be engaged. Now, I will say like, LinkedIn tagging is LinkedIn tagging. I have mixed luck with when I tag people, Twitter seems to get more engagement for me personally. Um, I will say the Twitter chats have been super interesting mm -hmm. in getting people connected who I couldn't otherwise just by tagging them both in a tweet, which I do all the time. Like I try to bring people together through tweets and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But when you have an event, like a Twitter chat, man, and you start tagging people or like starting connecting the dots for them, it it really lifts the, not only the conversation, but your relationship with both of those people. So those are those are kind of some of the best practices that I've learned over time just in doing this work. Yeah, I, th I think that's really, really interesting, the different in culture between LinkedIn and Twitter, because LinkedIn, there's a lot of your professional network on there, a lot of your employees and colleagues. Uh, but if you start tagging people too overtly, I think, you know, people start you know, getting a bit annoyed at that. Whereas Twitter is so fast paced, you can you can tag five people and different people and connect communities. I really love what you said about connecting people that don't know each other because you know, that that means that they've met each other through you and you're immediately driving that value. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I personally love talking about Theo. I know Theo very very well, so you know, let's let's um, let, let's um, Keep on using her as a great example of someone that you've, you've done. If you want to, if you want to use some um, uh, some good case studies and good approaches, um, I, th I think finding the personal connection is such an important point. And a lot of people, I think, that are asked to do this but don't really want to do it, miss that personal connection, mm -hmm. and so don't get what you've got out of it. So, uh, so I, I love what you've said about that, and I think the Twitter chats is a very is a very good way of bringing people together. It's a very light touch for influencers if they mm -hmm. want to get involved in the topic. Whereas LinkedIn feels like it's a bit more work when people 
playing it. I don't know. It feels it feels different, doesn't it? It's got a different kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I don't know. I, what you... Sorry, I, I, just real quick, I've had more luck recently. Um, I don't know what others' experiences are, but I've had more luck not tagging people and just using very thoughtful hashtags, like really making sure that I get the hashtags right on LinkedIn. Um, and people are finding it. It's and it's it's been a little bit. It's it's been a learning experience. I, I've seen an evolution where I used to have luck in tagging people, and now it's kind of moved more towards the hashtags. But what I, what I would recommend if anybody. Um, wants a quick lesson. The one thing that I always tell people is make sure you're putting your own perspective on whatever you're sharing. <laughs> Don't just share. And, you know, as you can imagine, a company like Microsoft puts out a ton of content. Once in a while, I will just share it just to get the word out. But nine times out of 10, I am reading what it is and then putting my own analysis on it because that's my value out to, you know, my network. So exactly. Otherwise, otherwise, you're not a subject matter expert. You're a you're a you're a person just sharing the the, the corporate bandwagon, aren't you? Right. Exactly. Right. So, so we got a comment in the uh, saying, I don't know who it's from because it just says LinkedIn user, but it says really interesting that you're framing it as an education tool as opposed to a sales tool, uh, which I think is is the key to making it a long term success. So that's that's really what we're seeing as a big big trend that if people can frame for senior execs that social is a learning tool rather than you have to hit your numbers mm -hmm. or you know you, you have to spend a bit of time away from your day job um, because this is going to dramatically make a difference to your top 10 accounts that that seems to be the wrong way uh, to approach it now and actually education and learning is what everyone is hungry to do so I think you know, over mm -hmm. the past six months I've really seen that come out as a trend um so Stacy what, what what are the biggest learnings you've had from running the program? Maybe a few things that surprised you. Yeah, here's something that's a recent surprise. And I mentioned we're a team that's focused by industry. So um, I have financial services, but I'm kind of overseeing the program all up. Um, there's manufacturing, I have a teammate on manufacturing, healthcare, et cetera. We're seeing a little bit of a trend where our influencers, while they're focused on their specific industry, they're actually thinking about broader topics. So I mentioned AI and sustainability, really key important topic areas. So they're not just diving deep on, you know, cloud for financial services. It's more of that higher level, higher level topic. So that that's been a trend over the past, I'd say four or five months that we're seeing. Um, Another thing well, I already mentioned about the importance of the SME connection. Um, that's been really key. That's a that's a big learning. Um, trying to think of something else. Uh, Matthew, do you have any to, to chime in on? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you a question. If, if, so when you're talking about SMEs and connecting them up yeah. to the influencers, but the influencers aren't exactly talking in your industry verticals from a program manager standpoint, yeah. you're trying to connect it up and trying to obviously showcase some of the great work that you're doing, Matt, and trying to replicate that across the business. But you know, but the world doesn't work in a programmatized, you know, uh, you know, brand play. So do you, do you then make it a bit fluid in terms of, you know, uh, these influencers talk about these broader themes and, you know, everyone can engage people or you know, the people who are financially focused, is, are they mainly for you, Matt, to lead on? Or is it just an open conversation across 
SMEs across the board. I don't so, know, Stacey, do you want to take yeah, it? <laughs> so we do have different um, SMEs that are, it's not just one-to-one for some of the influencers. There's definitely, and I'd say like Matthew's example with Theo, that they have that connection point, but there's other influencers where we do have kind of multiple people that are engaged with them based on what they're talking about. And that's, that's been another key learning for us. It's, we have to listen to what the influencer wants to talk about instead of just pushing our story out. So that means things might change over the year with who we're working with, depending on what we have on our calendar, what we have on our content calendar and what the influencer is talking about. So it's trying to find that right point in time where those two things match up. Yeah, I I think that's been a tremendous change because I I remember working with Microsoft way back when, when there was kind of like assigned influences to SMEs as part of a very successful program. And now what I love about what you're saying, I think this is the first time I've I've heard it and thought about it, is actually asking the influencers what topics they want to talk about and then almost uh, engineering it the the other way around to then assigning SMEs to influencers and saying, okay, here are your 10 assets at Microsoft for whenever you want to talk about X, Y, and Z. Right. And I I love, I love the fact that it's changed. It's, it's definitely evolved. And, you know, we have an influencer that sits pretty squarely in the manufacturing realm, but she also talks quite a bit about sustainability and hybrid work. So we make sure that we're pulling the right people in with those topic areas of expertise to connect with her and those different opportunities to plug her into things like um, an event on that topic that might not just be manufacturing, it's cross industry horizontal. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that, that that is a game changer because it starts off with what's in it for the influencer and mm-hmm. then there's a win-win for, for both Microsoft and, exactly. and the influencer involved as well. I, I'd love to ask you a bit about measurement now i know that you've got uh, we're, we're tracking the influences for you as uh, yes. as part of the program so i think there's uh, 337 influences we're tracking i know you've got some SMEs in there um and some uh you know as part of your employees and i think that we are, are reporting on about 90 influences um how how do you measure success both from a a quantitative point but also a qualitative yes. aspect when you're talking internally, like like the anecdote that you shared before. Right. And I'm smiling because measurement has been an interesting journey for us. So we just started leveraging Analytica this year to measure share of voice, which is great because that is a quantifiable. Everyone can see that on a chart. They can visualize it. They understand our share of voice versus competitors. So that's an easy one. Um, the the Qualifiable one is a little more difficult. Um, What we have actually done is we put together um, a matrix where we're kind of tracking um, influencer engagement. A lot of different things go into it. Share of voice is one of them, but different engagements with the influencer if they're connected to SMEs. And we basically put this weighted model together that we're using to kind of build relationships with or track the relationship building with the influencer from engaged all the way up to advocate. So that's our own kind of internal measurement tool. The other piece is just capturing those engagements that we're, we have with the influencers and we have those on a, a tracker, which I think we'd eventually like to move to something to, different, but um, 
essentially, if, if an influencer meets with a SME, we count that as an engagement. If an influencer is willing to attend one of our events, we have that measurement. We, we capture that. If an influencer speaks at one of our events, we take that down as well. And then we're able to share back all that information. Like this is what this influencer has done with Microsoft. Share a voice, all the different engagements, all the touch points, as well as that weighted model of where they are in that um, continuum. Yeah, isn't it funny that you know people don't have to do that with a journalist or an analyst yeah. or you know someone like a, a, you know it, 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 who's a key like investor you know financial analyst as well and it's I, I guess it's where we're at that when there's a social influencer that people don't quite know how to categorize yet yeah. it's it's almost incumbent upon the the program manager to talk about the evolution of the influencer relationship and what value it gives. Microsoft. So it's really interesting to hear how you how you so talk about that. And I guess you'll be doing that, you know, for a while, but it'll probably, you know, decrease over time once they once there's intrinsic value mm -hmm. that and they then, maybe not asking about. There's also um we're we're trying to build out like a storyboard that showcases this is what the relationship looked like. This is where we started with the initial outreach. This is what we did first, second, third, and how that evolved and trying to connect that back into some of the um, sales activities that then occur later down the line. Great. No, I think that's really smart. Uh, by the way, if anyone's listening, they've got any questions, please do post them in the in the chat mm -hmm. and I'll ask them. I'll put Matt and Stacey on the spot because because they want to be tested out. Um, <laughs> um, so, so Matt, I, I know you talked about a lot of the great successes that you've you've had. Are there any Any key challenges when you've approach something it hasn't really you know, gone so well you obviously talked about tagging people mm -hmm. in LinkedIn it didn't work so well for you any any kind of advice uh, or things that that you know maybe you wouldn't recommend oh boy what wouldn't I recommend um I wouldn't well I definitely wouldn't recommend tagging influencers just willy-nilly without mm -hmm. putting in the thought on your own analysis um you know what I think is uh sharing sharing the content that they put out is kind of like table stakes. That's in my view, that's like great. You know, you're, you're helping augment their own messaging, but saying something meaningful and trying to drive a conversation is really, is really the key to accelerating the engagement and, and really accelerating the value proposition that you can bring to them. Um, I, I definitely don't always get it right. Like one thing, um, I work at Microsoft. I play a lot of Xbox with my son and I post like pics of Halo. Literally nobody in my network cares about this, which I've learned relatively quickly. But I post about my Legos and I still post about Halo once in a while. But like I'll post about Legos and I get much more engagement, you know, just, just like pay attention to what people are talking about. And don't, if you approach it a little bit more altruistically, it does it does get into that qualitative piece that you measured. It's it's not as easy to measure, but if you approach it altruistically with a little bit of selflessness and humility, you'll find that people are people want to engage you. They especially now under COVID, like social media is one of the only ways we're getting together right now. I know a lot of people that aren't going to conferences. If you're engaging them authentically and genuinely, chances are they'll reply to you. At worst, you'll you'll learn something. At best, you'll develop a relationship with somebody and keep learning. Like there's really no downside to it. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's really, really good advice. And and I'd, I I know that uh, other SMEs out there would be interested to know how much time investment uh, th th this mm. requires, because of course you're <laughs> one of the one of the when SMEs don't want to get involved, that probably the first excuse might be. I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's yeah. got a different routine. Some people don't have a routine. Some people have a very fixed strategy. Some people just you know, just just post when they want to or as and when they feel like it. What's your daily or weekly routine? Yeah, so I'm going to make a shameless plug. In 2018, I wrote an article on LinkedIn about this exact thing because what I ended up doing was what we talked about when we kicked this off, I integrated the social media engagement into my learning strategy. And I was coming into an industry that I didn't understand. So I really had to pay attention to learning in a new way, which meant that I had to put the time in to do this. And so I broke it up into two blocks of time. It was what activities could I do on the fly quickly, which was like check social media, but not read articles, see what people were saying, maybe engage. And then in longer periods of time, what could I do? And that was listening to podcasts, audiobooks, because I was driving a lot at the time, um, and reading articles, right? Um, so what I would do is I would break up my day into these chunks of smaller time and longer time, and then do those activities like based on whatever free time I had. Um, now, I, I wouldn't, and I don't recommend obviously trying to do things like being at your kid's soccer game and not paying attention to your kid's soccer game and pulling out your phone and seeing what's going on. But, you know, like there's always like I, I like to run. So I go for runs and I will instead of listening to music, I listen to podcasts. And then when I get back, I try to remember what I heard and write something meaningful and post it out to whoever was hosting the podcast. Um, it's, it's that type of thing, like integration into your existing work streams works best because you can get a lot of scale with your time that way. Um, and a lot of impact, but otherwise you're, you know, you are, you're trying to pull out your phone when you're busy at dinner or with the kids and, and it just, does, it's not tenable that way. So you definitely, you have to work it into your work stream how you can. Yeah, I, I can, I can see why you were successful because you do have a, you do have a discipline and a, and a good strategy there. But I think what you're saying is, is key. I mean, someone I interviewed a few weeks back, uh, or was it, that was actually just, just before Christmas, I think, was talking about every five or 10 minutes that she's got spare, she finds ways of being useful in five minutes in social media that are that are learning opportunities. And so I think she's got you know another phone which she puts next to her shower and you know and plays podcasts when she goes in there. So she gets 10 minutes, you know, which doesn't into you know, I don't I haven't heard anybody else that's done that, but she she does it because she's addicted to learning. And uh and it was amazing. Um which I thought was was fascinating because it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about. I mean, integrating them into into running uh, or right. driving, and that's why I do it. I I don't only listen like I will not only put a podcast on when I run because I want to say something meaningful to somebody when I get home. It's because, man, I really want to learn what what people are saying out there. So there's all kinds of benefits when you integrate it into your work stream like that. Yeah, and I guess Stacy, that that's what that's what makes a really good SME, isn't it? Yes. That 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 um that desire for learning as part yes. of this. That's why we want to clone Matt. Yeah, I was I was just thinking because when we talk about influencer programs, what I haven't talked about ever is the is the learning journey as part mm -hmm. of this. As and I guess you know maybe it hasn't been my role as someone coming in as in influence marketing software 
company to actually talk about this but is that is that now part of part of the program of of you're talking about the opportunity of learning and you know, is that is that a part of the conversation of whether people want to be part of the program as the SMEs or is that just you know something that they would naturally see value in it is part of it because i think it's first of all it's trying to get people to understand hey i need you to meet with xyz and here's why once they meet with that person a light bulb goes off and says oh my gosh this person knows so much about this topic area that i need to know more about they have all these great connections they're putting out this fantastic content so getting them to take that first have that first conversation usually gets them to the point of understanding i i can learn a lot from this individual okay so it's getting them to that light bulb moment and yes. then it's and then it's it's relatively easy from there yeah they're like this is the guy i need to be engaged with he knows everything about everything and there's a, they can see the opportunity yeah no i can see that uh, so uh, how do you think the you know how do you think 2022 will play out with influence mm -hmm. marketing have you got any any ideas on what you think the the trends will be like or where the industry is going stacy yeah so first off i i see more and more brands are making an effort to do to, to add influencer marketing to their their tools of the trade right so like I said, we've moved from kind of an informal to a more formal program. I know other brands are doing that as well. And I think there's going to be a lot of, I guess, noise with influencers about brands trying to get to them. So we need to be really smart about what we're doing with them and making sure they see the value of, of partnership with us. The other thing that I, I see as a trend is around aligned values. So looking at things that our influencers care about, it goes back to listening to them. What are they talking about? What do they care about? Are they talking about diversity and inclusion? Are they focused on ESG? Do they care about sustainability? And looking at that to see how that aligns with our brand. So shared values are very, very important, I think, between the brands and the influencers to work together well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the sustainability and DNI conversation and values that that just from everyone I speak to in the uh, in the influencer community and the expert community that that just obviously is showing up every single day. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how how tech brands differentiate you know the, the, themselves when they're speaking right. to influencers because I I think that that's what I mean employees, customers, partners, influencers. That's what everyone's demanding right now to kind of to get that transparency and to, and to get out of bed and to do something that they feel passionate about. Yes. So is that what you're saying, you know, Matt, on social media, when you're speaking to, to the influence and experts, has the conversation uh, changed mm -hmm. over the last 12 months to, to now be very influenced by sustainability and DNI? Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And Stacey knows this well. Um, you know, there's an interesting intersection with technology and sustainability. So I'm seeing it a lot coming out from Microsoft as well as frankly, the other tech firms where the conversation is pivoting from kind of this idea of digital transformation towards, well, how can technology help me be more sustainable? How can it help me engage my employees better? How can it help me manage my customers better and listen to my customers and build that into a feedback loop? Um, and of course, you know, there are 
it's it's at the intersection of these really big complex topics. How are we going to solve the climate crisis? How are we going to make sure that AI doesn't get rolled out with all kinds of bias in it? Um, so I see a lot of across. You know, I do focus on financial services, but across industries, the conversation has changed um, really over the last eighteen months or last two years to like these really big thorny issues and how is technology intersecting with it? And it's not, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, um, but the conversation's always there. It's every day, it's, it's, it's like the topic to talk about is technology and these big thorny issues. Yeah, so I, I guess I guess it's uh, just focusing on easy questions, right? You know, every day getting out of bed and you know, how do you how do you solve the world? You know, you, you jump into social media and you're thinking, well, how do I write the article? Um, it is it, it it it's amazing to me. You're you you know it's funny, but it is it it, it is these it oh, I can't articulate it. It's these big thorny issues every day. How do you deal with? saving the world right mm -hmm. that's really what what I, I see a lot of across industries yeah i think i i can see that as a big trend as well so yeah i, I it obviously requires a lot of expertise and i guess breaking that down into how you can create inspiring content you know, in small chunks or parts of content series that can start breaking that down mm -hmm. because there's such big issues right and right. uh but you know, obviously, it's 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 very positive that we're talking about climate and the environment in that in that way. It doesn't mean there's any less of a challenge for marketers and for subject matter experts. But um, I guess I'll leave you to uh, um, to to, uh, to obviously have those conversations on on social media. Um, Stacy, over to you. I'd love to. I know that we have to wrap up uh, very soon. What what bits of advice would you or sort of tips and tricks would you give to anyone? starting out in influencer yes. marketing? As the first tip I would give is do your research to understand who you should be working with based on your goals. So that's that's the first piece. It takes a while to get to that, the right list of people and then understand that that list is fluid and be open to making changes throughout and adjustments throughout. The second piece, I've mentioned this before, is this is a relationship building opportunity. This doesn't just happen in a day. So give yourself the grace to know that this takes time, it takes effort, it takes bringing people in like Matthew to build those relationships, to have some success. And then I'd say, if you can find a success early and highlight that to get others engaged, that's probably a, another key thing to make sure that your program, program lands well across the organization. Great, fantastic. Yeah, long-term vision, but everyone has to show something within 12 yes. weeks, right? So find an easy have... win. And, and there are there are easy ways to quickly engage and show that this is what the value is of this opportunity. So people can start to see how they can be part of it. Absolutely. And Matt, any, any last uh, piece of advice? Yeah, besides, you know, I said the biggest thing for me is that being genuine and, and doing analysis. Mm -hmm. But if I had to say one more thing, it would be, um, check out what your company's purpose is, right? Make sure you're aligning to that company's purpose when you go out and try to engage your customers, your influencers, and, and just the world in general. If if you start from that point, um, you'll find that it's much easier to come up with things to say and drive that engagement because 
you know, there are obviously social media policies and things that you have to follow. It isn't just all about like connecting with people. There are, you know, I am a representative of Microsoft when I'm out there. Um, but when you align with that purpose, uh, you can really drive a meaningful conversation, I think. Yeah, no, I think I think that's amazing advice. And a lot of senior execs get stuck on the social media policy and are a bit scared of it, so I haven't read it. But I think what you've said about knowing the purpose, but also just just being genuine and don't do anything mm -hmm. stupid and just act like you would in normal life and, and you should be okay. Right. Um, so um, <laughs> thank you so much for, for, for speaking to me. I know that the audience would have loved uh, uh, what you've talked about. Um, uh, for anyone watching, please uh, go to the Analytica resources part of our website if you want to watch other customer chats. Um, all, that left, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Matt. Thank you to Stacey uh, from Microsoft. It's been really uh, interesting to hear your program and the journey you've been on over the past two years. So all the best with it. And thank you so much uh, for being part of the LinkedIn Live. All right. Thank you. Thanks.